Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of That Podcast. My name is Ryan Janke, and as always, I'm joined by Sarah DeYoung. Uh, Pastor DJ is not here today, um, but we do have a couple of guests. We have Dr. Lance Bergstrom and Kristen Fullman. I got that right, right, Fullman? Yes, you did. All right, Kristen Fullman from the Haiti Eye Mission. And uh, thank you for being here today. Thanks, Ryan. Nice to be here. Yes, thank you for having us. Yeah, I just wanted to bring you in. Um, I, I've heard stories, I've read articles about the Haiti Eye Mission, but I just wanted to bring you in and, and hear more about it and uh, give our listeners a little insight into what you're doing and, and uh, what happens on the Haiti Eye Mission. So. Well, We'll hopefully fill you in a little bit. Yeah. Well, first, uh, why don't we talk about what it what it is and what you do down there? Okay, just a little background. So I'm an ophthalmic surgeon. I'm a surgeon, so specialize primarily in cataract surgery, especially when we go to third world countries. And and ophthalmology, as it's called, is a is a wonderful specialty if you're interested in, in medical missions because you're able to go to a place and literally have a 10 minute procedure that's uh, life impacting and uh, and so when I was thinking in medical school what, what specialty I wanted to go into, that was one of my considerations. So, and so I've done uh, medical missions all over the world. And uh, one of the big things, if you're going to Africa, Kenya, Indonesia, wherever you're going, it's a long trip. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the truth is there's just as much need in our hemisphere as there is in Africa, and specifically Haiti, uh, which we found is the poorest country in our hemisphere by far. Uh, an average income of $200 a year. Wow. And there, there's 13 million people that live in Haiti, plus or minus a few. Um, and uh, it's on the island of Hispaniola, which is the original island that Christopher Columbus discovered when he discovered America, so to speak. And uh, Christopher uh, uh, landed in Haiti in what 1492, whatever it was. And uh, Haiti became a colony, a French colony uh, uh, in the northern part of the island called Haiti. And the southern part of the island is Dominican Republic, which is a Spanish-controlled colony. And the Haitians revolted in about 1806 and kicked out the French. And so it's been the longest uh, freestanding, uh, you know, African, basically an African country in our hemisphere since 1800s. And mm-hmm. uh, again, but it's been, it, it, at the time of the, the, the revolution, Haiti was the most uh, affluent country in our hemisphere, believe it or not. Uh, the French, uh, as a colony, it made, you know, millions and millions of dollars for the French as a primarily growing sugarcane and exporting. And, uh, but since that time, there's been a lot of political things going on and Haiti's been very unstable. It's been impacted by countless, you know, earthquakes and hurricanes and a lot Mm -hmm. of tragedies. And, uh, so, but we found that there's a huge need to get to, to, to help out Haitians. And, uh, and that's why we go there. Okay. Um, how long have you been going there since 2012? Is that what I read? Uh, yeah, the first time I was in Haiti was, uh, well, the first time I was influenced by Haitians, uh, Kevin Walvin, a friend of mine, who's a local uh, uh, TV, uh, a lot of people know Kevin, mm-hmm. um, he contacted me because I've been doing some work with some Guatemalans, and uh, specifically they had a child in one of the in one of the schools down there that had problems with strabismus, meaning his eyes were crossed, and they were wondering if we could do anything to help him because culturally that's a bad thing. People think there's something wrong. You're possessed by a demon or something. Okay. And so, uh, and I said, we can probably help. I, you know, I, I can't just run down to Haiti to see one patient. So they said, no, we'll bring him to you. So um, his name is Ronald Andre, and Ronald came up when he was 13 years old, 
and we ended up doing surgery on Ronald, straightening his eyes. And we, and we were so impressed by this young man that we said, you know, we're going to try to get you back and get an education for you. And uh, after about five years of paperwork and finally working with uh, uh, one of the senators of North Dakota, we were able to get Ronald the right paperwork, and he came over on a student visa. And uh, he graduated from Oak Grove, and uh, now he graduated from M State, and now he's working for his PA to be a physician assistant, and he works at Sanford in the heart lab now. He's a certified cardiovascular technologist. So, and Ronald's lived with us for the last seven years now, I think, seven, eight years. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So that's originally exposed to Haiti through Ronald, and then... Uh, and then Kevin had been going down with another medical group from Fargo that just does general surgeries and that kind of thing. And they had another an eye team that had been going for a number of years to this city called Pignon, which is uh, the poorest area of Haiti is the central plateau area, and that's where Pignon is. And uh, approximately 15,000 people live in this city. Um, no, no eye care at all, nothing, in a drawing area of about 200,000 people. And... Uh, and, and Kevin was exposed to an ophthalmologist from uh, Iowa who was retiring in his 70s. He said, hey, they need some help. You want to come down just for a couple days and check it out? And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll, we'll take a look. At the end of four days, they literally gave me the keys to their clinic and said, oh, wow. here, <laughs> it's yours now. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> what have I gotten into? I just said yes. And uh, it's hard to say no when you're down there. And uh and so we've kind of it's we've kind of blown it up with the helps of like Kristen and a lot of volunteers. It's very infectious. Uh, we have volunteers that go there, a lot of them with non medical backgrounds, and they want to go every year. And uh, this year we'll have a team of twenty six going down, including uh, uh, four other surgeons beside myself. It sounds like and two optometrists and uh, the rest volunteers, including a number of college students this year that are interested in, in medicine. We have students from UND and Concordia. And I think even NDSU. So, wow. so it's been exciting to see how it grows. So we went from doing like 20 or 30 surgeries in a, in a, a few days to last year, we did well over 200 surgeries. Wow. Um, in, in five days, basically. Um, so. so how many went that first time? Was it just you? Uh, that was just me. Um, and there was a team uh, from Iowa. So there was like eight people. And they had one little operating room. And... Uh, I had trained on some of the newer techniques used in third world medicine uh, over in Africa with a friend of mine who started, it's called the Himalayan Cataract Project. And if you Google that, you'll find some very interesting things. But they, uh, um, I met surgeons in, in India from, from the, on the border of Nepal and India. They were doing surgeries two to 300 a day. Okay. Wow. That gives you, that's a, that's a year's worth of surgeries for a lot of ophthalmologists in this country. And these guys have perfected a technique that's very quick, uh, getting first world outcomes with very minimal technology and kind of mind blowing what they're doing. And so that was, I was over in Africa trying to learn that kind of technique and in Indonesia actually. And so we brought that technique to Haiti and that's why we've been teaching that to some of the other American surgeons down there. So, wow. so we're so dependent on technology here. We don't have a lot of technology down there. We run on generators, we run on portable microscopes and we use massage tables as our beds uh, to help, wow. you know, for the patient. So, but we're able to offer, you know, a cataract surgery for $30, $40, our net cost versus, you know, thousands of dollars in the United States. Right. And, and that way we're able to offer a lot of surgeries. Uh, most of these people are blind, literally blind. Uh, they come in with a seeing eye grandchild, so to speak. The average lifespan of a Haitian that's blind is five years. And so you're able to do surgery. They're able to go back to work. They're able to help out with the family. And then they live, uh, mm -hmm. basically. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Um, Kristen, how did you get involved? So I... 
I'm going to be going on my fifth mission now in May, and I was initially approached by Dr. Bergstrom and then another team member um, from church, and they said, oh, you should come with us, and I thought, well, I've always wanted to do a mission, so I would go once and just kind of check it off my bucket list type of thing, and was not planning to go more than one time, and so I went once, and I was just completely, it's Mm life-changing. I mean, not only for the patients that we serve, but for the people that go on our team. And so I said, well, I need to do that again. And so I now will be going the fifth time. Um, I actually became so passionate about what we're doing that I approached Dr. Bergstrom about a year ago and said, you know, I think it's time for a change. I feel a calling, like I just need to have this be more a part of my life. And so I actually left my job of 18 years with the school system. Um, And now I work for Dr. Bergstrom um, in his research office as well as doing the fundraising and marketing for Haiti I mission and it it's I'm I believe so strongly in what we're doing and the impact that it's making that it's it was an easy decision yeah that's really cool mm-hmm. um so uh Dr. Bergstrom the the um you talked about the technique that you use there have you ever, or there probably isn't a need to, but have you ever brought any of that back? Absolutely. Um, so I've had literally world-class surgeons I've worked with um, and brought even to Haiti. Uh, we have some amazing surgeons in, in Fargo, and this stretches everybody outside their comfort zone, these, these techniques. Because um, um, before, we'd, we'd take out a cataract, we'd make a big incision, and then we'd try to take it out, and we'd put in a ton of sutures. And that takes a lot of time to put. These sutures are this, you know smaller than a human hair. And to try to do it with poor lighting in a third-world condition is very tough. So we figured out a way to take out the cataract without putting stitches in. And these are big, big cataracts. And so... Uh, yeah, and, and actually I get referrals from other ophthalmologists in town that are they're beyond the technology of what we have here because we use an ultrasound to break up cataracts in this country, but some of these cataracts are so hard. And every now and then you do have a patient that's either fearful or whatever. They've delayed their cataract surgery for years, and we have to use this technique in the first world. <laughs> and so it's a, it works both ways. Um, so, yeah, it, and it makes you a better surgeon. Once you've seen some of these cataracts that are literally – rocks and you're mm-hmm. taking them out and you're like, Oh, American cataracts, this is nothing. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. So when you do that for people and you go back the next year, do you ever see those same people again? Oh, absolutely. So frequently, uh, we'll just do one eye. I mean, if it's, you know, you have 150 people lined up, they're all blind. You're not going to do both eyes, uh, because we have limited resources and if they can get one eye fixed, they can function. And so, but the next year, then they're going to maybe want the other eye fixed. And so if we can, we see it the other times too, they're going to need a laser treatment for what's called a secondary cataract. And so we'll do that. Or like we, we do a number of children, kids get cataracts, believe it or not. And in Haiti, they, they go untreated and the kids end up blind completely and unable to go to school, everything. So we'll follow up the kids every year we have them come back as best we can mm-hmm. um the word gets out down there through the schools and through the radio okay um, that's how they know we're coming in the, in the hospital so we're actually going may 5th um coming up so we'll be probably one of the first medical teams in haiti again um we, again we have to show proof that we've been vaccinated everything all those hassles we have to jump through and then to get back into the u.s we have to show proof that we're covid negative okay uh, which most of us have had the vaccine or had covid so at this time but yeah. Haiti, interestingly, has been very minimally impacted by COVID. They haven't had 
to wear anything over their face. They've only had 200 so deaths in the whole country of 13 million. Wow. I think it's some of it's because they're young. They have very strong immune systems. They live on dirt floors. Uh, they're not heavy. Uh, and uh, outside temperatures, warm temperatures are hard on the virus. Mm-hmm. And, and all those things have impacted. So it hasn't been a big problem down there. Wow. We typically go in in February every year, but this year we delayed it. So we were able to go in February of 2020 um, and then kind of of probably the last ones there. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had to delay it this year. But it's going to be the rainy season this year. So we're kind of holding our breath. (laughs) We're anticipating the humidity. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you go down May 5th and then how long do you stay? We'll be back the 15th. Okay. So we got a total of 10 days. Okay. Um, Yeah. And you help that many people in that short a time? We actually see well over, probably close to 1,500 patients. Wow. Um, It's nice when you don't have paperwork, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we work very long days, but I describe it as the hardest work you'll ever love because we we just work as long as we can and... So, yeah, we've set up different teams that work with us. So we have a triage team that will triage people, and then they decide, you know, does this patient just need glasses? Do they just need, you know. The other thing is glaucoma is epidemic down there for whatever reason. I'd say one in five people in Haiti has glaucoma. Most of them are untreated. And glaucoma can be more devastating than Mm -hmm. cataracts because once you've lost your vision, you can't get it back. And so we'll, we uh, actually, Kristen just went to bat for us. We just had $1.7 million worth of of medication donated by a big company called Alc. And we'll give away all those medicines in a, in a few days, basically. A year supply of medications, you know, in this country costs hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And so, yeah, we'll do that or we'll do surgical procedures to treat glaucoma, um, which is, we think of it as high eye pressure, and that's how we treat it down there. But we've seen teenagers with end-stage glaucoma down there, that, like you would see in an 80, 90-year-old in this country. Really? Yeah. The other thing is sunlight is very hard on the eyes. And so they, they don't have a lot of sunglasses, and so they develop cataracts at young ages. Mm-hmm. Um you know, again, uh, we operate on for congenital cataracts from infections and stuff. It gets in the womb and it can and ha- cause, you know, babies to have cataracts. So we operate on babies down there, believe it or not. So, wow. Um, it's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, Fargo has a very long, healthy tradition with this hospital. It's a hospital that was founded by a Haitian doctor who was trained in the United States. And the hospital is probably since the late 70s, early 80s. So. It's a Christian hospital. It's a Baptist tradition, I believe. And, uh, it's considered one of the finest hospitals in Haiti. And it's interesting because it's very third world until you get into the main operating room and you feel like you're transported to a different a Fargo hospital. It's crazy. Really? So when we do our general anesthesia cases, we do them in the main operating room. But we have our own little separate wing that we use. Uh, we have our own clinic. Um, we keep all the stuff there ready to go. And the first day or so we'll be there, we'll be cleaning the walls and scrubbing the, the mold off the walls because it's so much humidity and it's hard on our equipment, that kind of stuff. But we end up operating in a mash tent we found works really well we found a surplus mash tent and we have an air conditioning in it and uh, it works wonderfully yeah we purchased the tent a couple years ago just so we could have you know two operating rooms so Mm -hmm. we could double the number of surgeries that we're able to do so that's been helpful wow how long are the days down there is it (laughs) 18 18 hours it's all one day Um, (laughs) so yeah it's six straight days so yeah i mean we go to bed frequently after midnight and we're up at six wow ready to go again yeah and it's i have to bring uh noise canceling headphones to sleep and earplugs because for a number of reasons. Number one, they have chickens and roosters everywhere, and they all want to go at four in the morning. 
and there's mm-hmm. cats and, you know, cat fights and, and they don't have much mental health down there. So a number of patients with schizophrenia will be on the rooftops preaching at three in the morning, screaming. Oh, wow. Uh, there's things you don't think about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is that? <laughs> oh, we, he's... we get home and sleep for about 24 hours straight. <laughs> no, yeah, that's for sure. And so we'll have a decompression day um, when we get back in Florida. Uh, so we fly with Mission Flights International, which is a, a long-term... Uh, they, they, they purchased a, uh, a World War II naval air base, and they fly, uh, we fly World War II vintage uh, DC-3 airplanes into uh, Haiti. We land right on a grass airstrip there. Really? So we're able to bypass the big city where all the crime is and that kind of stuff. And we make a buzz sometimes over the field because there's cows grazing kind of thing. Wow. And... Uh, and so, yeah, they've retrofitted these DC-3s with turboprop engines and gotten bigger gas tanks so we can make the direct flight. It's about a three-hour flight. But it's at 9,000 feet with the windows open, so we literally are freezing on the way down there. You wouldn't oh, expect that. Man. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we have it's sleeping bags, incredible. and they yeah. serve hot coffee or hot And people soup. think, like, flying spirit is yeah. bad. <laughs> oh, this is, well, we're the only ones on the plane, so there's 27 of us. And it makes you feel good, though, because the, pa- the uh, pilots are usually old, and they pray before we fly. So. Oh, wow. That's a good sign. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Um, how, how is uh, the, uh, the, do you have a lot of help from the people who live down there too? We do, do actually. So, mm-hmm. and Kristen's been organizing that. So this year, I think we're going to hire like 14 translators. Okay. And, uh, and the, the main language of Haiti, which has been one of the problems is Creole. There's only like three countries in the world that speak Creole, which is a combination of French and some kind of, uh, from the slaves, and it's kind of its own unique language. They speak it in New Orleans and Haiti, pretty much, in the one country in Africa. And, uh, and But the other, a lot of them speak French, and since Dominican Republic is next door, a lot of Haitians speak Spanish, at least the younger ones. Very broken English, most of them, though. So that's been a big stumbling block. So, But some of the younger kids, they know that there's job opportunities if they speak English, so they study English on their own. And so, yeah, we, we hire translators, um, uh, you know, 14 of them this year. Mm-hmm. And, and we uh, use a lot of the same ones year after year, which is nice because yeah. then mm-hmm. they are familiar with what we need and exactly. what we expect from them. Right. And that we, pay, we pay them by the day um, in cash, crisp $5 bills <laughs> without a fold in it. Um, and we pay them $25 a day each. So mm-hmm. and that adds up pretty quick though. And then they get food too. They get it, you know, they get lunch money and that kind of stuff. But that's big money when your per capita income is, you know, $200 mm-hmm. a year. Somebody come in and pays you 25 bucks a day for a week. They all that's want the job. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and uh. there's just not many jobs. Haiti, um, their biggest export is rum. Okay. Okay. But they have no infrastructure. Pignon just got a paved road into it after, you know, it's been there for hundreds of years. Um, the cell towers are up now though. So everybody has a cell phone. Um, they're very much into the internet if they can, they're all on Facebook now. Um, but the power grid is very lacking. So we run on generators. Um, the national power grid only runs about maybe eight hours a day in the, in that city and the hospital has to run on generators. So, and so diesel fuel is expensive. We pay about eight to $9 a gallon to run on diesel. Um, and the generators are very loud. And so that's the thing, too, when you're operating. It's not like this nice, quiet, calm environment. No, it's it's 95 degrees, you're sweating, and there's a de- you know there's 100 people outside the tent, and the, and the generator is buzzing. And it, roosters crowing, don't forget that. And roosters crowing, yes, <laughs> in your clinic. Um, so wow. those kind of things you don't really think about. You see the pictures, you don't realize, oh, it's really loud. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So. Um, it, it's funny that you mentioned the, the when you talked about the $5 bills, crisp. 
Yeah. I've heard that the money changers yeah. will not, they'll, they'll deduct yeah. if you have a wrinkled bill. I just actually learned that from Pastor Becky yesterday. Oh. She told me about that because she, she, she needed a bill for the pot machine, and yeah. the one I gave her was just nasty looking. Right. And she said that, yeah, if this was Peru, they would, they would, they yeah. would knock off for that. You would mm-hmm. think, but I, yeah, I was like surprised too. Like they, want, <laughs> they want crisp American dollar bills, and that's it. One dollar bills are fine too. But yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> so it's funny. The first time I showed that, I was like, what? But this is a dollar. It was in my wallet. It's fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of expenses. This year, some unexpected expenses also, but it, it's it's not cheap to go to a third world country and, and pull off what we do in, in a week. So we have a lot of expenses. and Every team member fundraises too. So uh, the charge, we everybody, we charge is $1,800 per person. And that covers most of the expensive for us, but that doesn't cover surgical expenses because we have to get flights from Fargo usually. Actually, team members this year are from all over the country, but I'd say 80% are from this region. Um, But we have people coming from Michigan and Kentucky and some other places. Um, Arkansas now, too. Yeah. Um, And our team is, I mean, they not only pay out of pocket the $1,800, they are very dedicated to what we're doing. They take time off of work. They, you know, it's, we have a, a fantastic team and a lot of them come back year after year, as Dr. Bergstrom said. Yeah. Do you have a lot of the equipment you talk about, the generators and stuff? Is that you have stuff? We, we leave it under lock and key. The biggest thing down there that we found is, is not that it's stored, but the humidity gets to it. So we have, you know, uh, compartments that we store them in that are water or airtight. Cause one year we came down, we had an expensive piece of equipment and it wasn't stored tight like that. And it had rusted out. I mean, it's amazing. The salt water. Uh, mm-hmm. it's interesting. So Pinon is about 27 miles from the ocean. I'd say 90% of the population of that city has never seen the ocean. Really? Uh, 27 miles. It might as well be a thousand miles. Yeah. You'd have to walk there. Um, oh, okay. and then stay overnight. And mm-hmm. I mean, and, and so it's fun. So some years when we, we, we fly out of this other city cause we have to go through customs there and we've gone to that city and we brought some translators with us and just seeing the joy in their face the first time they'd seen the ocean you know they're crazy yeah and they've lived by it their whole life but had never seen it you know that's us it's like are you kidding it's 27 miles away you've never seen the ocean let alone wow know how to swim and it's interesting (laughs) so when i've gone down there i've done acuities so the eye chart every year and we found that we typically use numbers instead of letters because more people will know their numbers and um you know, more than letters if they haven't gone to school. Well, then if they don't know either, then we try to use the kindergarten eye chart that we use in America. Well, there's a picture of a boat on there. They don't know what a boat is. And so every year I'm just like, I need to make a Haitian eye chart with, you know, donkeys and chickens and things like that because Mm -hmm. they've never seen a boat because they've never seen the ocean. And it's just the things you don't even think about. Yeah, I would have never guessed that at all. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's crazy. It's interesting too because so Haiti, you know, again, has been – you know, primarily slaves. Um, and, and so the, the, some of the women who sell stuff in front of the hospital, they'll sell carved elephants and giraffes and zebras. And they haven't, they haven't been to Africa ever. (laughs) And that's just what they know. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting. Um, voodoo is a big part of their culture down there. Okay. uh, Believe it or not. Um, so it's very much like stepping back in time. Uh, we actually go on a quote unquote tour of the, uh, cemetery every year. And, and that's where they practice voodoo and have their, you know, their dolls with pins in them and burning things and, it's kind of creepy for the first time people that haven't been down there. <laughs> or the fourth or fifth time people. <laughs> yeah. And, and we call it a rum factory tour. So we tour the rum factory. It's not really a factory. It's basically a shed that they they make this stuff that turns into rum. It's like Everclear. It's, okay. you know, it's a 100 proof. Um, 
But yeah, they take the sugar cane and do that. So it's just kind of interesting. Those are the highlights of our trip. We, you know, but actually yeah. they built a pizza place now. So that's, that's yeah. one of the best. And we try, when we're there too, we try to stimulate their economy a little bit too and purchase <laughs> the little trinkets and, you know, <laughs> buy the pizza and things like that. So it's yeah. just to help them out. Yeah. And at the barber shop, we go and, you know, we get their, our hair cut once a year too. So, but usually we're that, you know, first or second Caucasians they've ever cut hair on. So <laughs> they're looking at our hair like, wow, look at this lame hair. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's a barber shop. So the bar is connected to the barber shop. I mean, so oh, wow. They serve drinks <laughs> in the barber shop. And they're using Windex to wet your hair down. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they use a straight edge razor. We just yeah. let the men yeah. do that. Yeah. We, yeah. Just, <laughs> we just watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> okay. That's funny. Um, so what do you, what is your favorite part of the trip when you go down? Mm. Oh, wow. I think one of the things every year is a different experience. So I, I mean, you'd think it'd be kind of like routine. Every, every team has a different dynamic, a different, you know, things like that. I think just getting off the plane initially when you first get there, it's like, cause you're still pretty fresh. At least I'm not exhausted yet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and all these Haitians that you've known through the years now are just there to give you massive hugs and stuff and, and help you unload the plane. And, and then we hop in a, a, in a truck and we all sit in the back of the truck with our stuff underneath us and driving into town about three miles to, from the airport. That's one of my favorite memories. Yeah. I think just witnessing the God moments over and over and over because we not only our team, is family. I mean, there will be a new team member who I've never met before. And by the end of the week, they're your family. And I mean, just how quickly we bond the connections that we made with the people that live in Pinon and just those, you know, those relationships that we maintain year after year, the patients that are literally singing after their site is restored. I mean, it's just, you just get goosebumps because you can't even it's so hard to put into words what happens. Um, there was one year, it was a couple, couple of years ago, one morning that we usually like to start the day in prayer and we didn't that day. We were in a hurry we just took off and we started going and in triage, everything was going wrong. I mean, there was just, things weren't working. Machines were breaking down. Nothing was, was going right. And we had just a horrible day. And toward the end of the day, we're like, we didn't start with a prayer. So every morning after that, it's like, okay, we're going to take the time. And, things just flowed smoothly the rest of the week. So it's just like, yep, there's definitely divine intervention. I mean, just the fact that this happens year after year and it's Mm -hmm. like, wow, we magically have what we need or, you know, this weird situation will come up and it's like, well, wow, we have this thing that we needed that we didn't know we were going to need ahead of time, but it's just miracles. Yeah, that's neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what age, like what's the kind of general... Let me think through this. What's your average like volunteer? What age are they? What is their background? You know, we've had from 18 all the way to 81. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but most of us, most of us I'd say are in our forties and fifties. Yeah. Uh, this year we're gonna have a younger team. Yeah. And uh, it, because of the May timeframe, we could have some pre-med students that it worked into their schedule a little bit easier. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's been. That we'll have easy. probably at least five or six under 25 this year, I think. Mm-hmm. And then. The oldest will be uh, 67. Uh, we have a surgeon from uh, from Kenya coming. Well, he's he's actually living in Kentucky now, but he, he served 15 years in Kenya um, uh, running an eye hospital over there. Oh. So that's exciting. We're, I'm excited to learn from him, actually. Mm-hmm. He's technically a PA, which is kind of interesting, but he can operate in third world countries. Uh, so <laughs> I bet he's a wonderful surgeon. So mm-hmm. anyway. Really cool. Yeah. Um, how has... Um has are they still reeling from the earthquake? You know, I, 
yes and no where we're at uh, the earthquake didn't impact as much um they build on there strictly with cement block without steel reinforcement um there i think they're trying to make that a, a you know law to because any slight quake down there everything tumbles down so i think they're working on that uh you will see large areas of port-au-prince that haven't recovered at all um you will see uh uh, actually, the uh, United Nations built a little city for some of the people. Uh, Port-au-Prince, the, just to give you an idea, the density per square mile, 30,000 people per square mile, okay? That's how many people live in Port-au-Prince, okay? <laughs> and think of mile upon mile of that without an infrastructure. No no plumbing, okay? No uh, power is intermittent. Uh, streets that are, you know, have tires and cars and you have to swerve around. Um, and so they are still struggling, Um uh, but in the rural areas, it's not a big, a big a deal. But they, they impacted by a hurricane just two years ago. Um, oh, that's right. So there's always something. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the media always show you, you know, okay, this is where it was worst hit. Yeah, but yes, but there's still 80% of the country that it wasn't impacted. But, but again, I think well over, you know, 300,000 people died in the, in the earthquake. And that was 2010, I believe. That was just mm-hmm. 11 years ago. And, and the other thing, too, down there, if you break a leg in Haiti, there's a good chance you're going to need it amputated. That's just how it works. Uh, they don't have, they don't have, you know, they can't screw and pin and like what we do up here. So you see a ton of younger people too that are amputees. Um, mm. uh, things that you would you never see up here. Childbirth it has the highest infant mortality rate and mother maternal mortality rate in in the Western Hemisphere by far. I mean, it's very high risk to have a baby down there. Um, and in this hospital we're at is one of the few hospitals that can do an emergency C-section, assuming everybody's there that needs to go. But we have a friend, a uh, Haitian a translator that's worked with us. They moved to Pignon for whatever reason, and she had to have an emergency C-section. And Reggie commented, he said, you know, if we would have been any other place, she probably would have not made it. And that's when it kind of hits you. Um, mm-hmm. that, you know, wow. Um, things there, we take for granted big yeah, time. And there are a lot of patients that have a fear of, having eye surgery, you know, I mean, some of them need to kind of be talked to and convinced because they don't, they haven't had experiences in medical situations that have good outcomes. So, right. Especially glaucoma patients. They, it's such a gradual thing. They can still see them, you know, they can still see, but it's getting smaller and smaller. Their peripheral vision is going down and down, but they're still, they don't quite comprehend If we don't do some of this, it's going to snuff it out. Mm-hmm. We have one girl specifically, we've been giving her medicines for years. And it's like, you need surgery, you need surgery, you need surgery. Cause she's near end stage and she's only in her twenties with a young baby. And it's like, oh, yeah. but she won't listen to us. <laughs> it's like, well, I can still see. And it's like, well, we have, but we don't wait till you're blind and then try to fix it. Cause glaucoma, yeah. we can't bring it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically at least so okay so you've seen her for for quite a few years in a row and her husband is one of our interpreters yeah and we've tried through him just to convince you know as we see another family that'll walk in in a similar situation with a 10 year old walking you know their blind parent around and and he'll comment and I just said you know that's the future of your daughter and your wife because Mm -hmm. that's where she's headed and it's it's tragic just to try and make them understand the impact of what they're doing. And every year she sees a little less. And we try to get her drops, but it's not easy. They don't have a mail service down there, so we can't just mail a package to Haiti. Right. No. I mean, we we can get stuff through them through mission flights. We'll bring stuff and send it to Florida, and they'll bring it down on a plane with somebody's name on it. But that's about as much as we can do. I I do have to tell a fun story. So Kristen worked for West Fargo Public Schools, and they had some old soccer uniforms, and they didn't know what to do with them. Well, literally a couple hundred of them. Mm-hmm. And so we boxed them all up and shipped them down to Pignon. So they're all wearing West Fargo schools <laughs> soccer, but they're the best dressed soccer teams in Haiti right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And they sent, they're so proud. And these are, they're perfectly good uniforms. Yeah. As far and 
they were so excited when they got them. And they won like their first five games in a row just because they're like, we look so good. We're going to play really well too. So yeah, all matching. So yeah, it's funny because uh, Fargamore has been very generous. Uh, this region has been very generous uh, to that area. And like one year I'm walking around a corner and I, and I saw this guy that had basically the, the musical that Moorhead High School had put on like the year before or not even like a month before. And he was wearing the t-shirt of it with the date. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that made it down here really quick. I'm thinking. <laughs> so you see all these like older Fargo Moorhead clothes, mm -hmm. like merit care, the hospital. I mean, that's everywhere down there. A lot of you bison know, fans. Bison down. fans. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I absolutely see NDSU shirts. Wow. And stuff. Yeah. So there's this like weird connection to this town because I mean, it's just like, it's so funny. It's like, well, and it's like, like most of us are so we never want to see the clothes that we bring down there again. So it's just like, you know what, the end of the week, you just keep whatever I brought down and I'll bring different things next year because <laughs> that's funny. How is the government to work with? Uh, we try to avoid it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're a non-government organization, NGO, and we're much better off. Um, unfortunately, you know, uh, we have to bribe people to get in. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, pay a lot of money actually. Um, and it's not necessarily the government per se, it's just local officials. Um, it doesn't matter that you're bringing medicines for their grandmother. Uh, mm -hmm. They basically say, how much you pay me? Okay. <laughs> and they will hold you at the airport all day. Uh, last year, I think we paid, you know, probably close to a thousand dollars in bribes. Wow. Uh, and that's pretty consistent, but you have to look beyond that. Cause this is, it's not them. I mean, th those guys are corrupt, but the average person is not involved with that. It's just people with power, unfortunately. Right. Um, so yeah, we're, we're considered an NGO and, but we have to get permission from the ministry of health to work there. That's where the hospital comes in and we have a letter, we show customs and everything. So there's those little kind of hassles, mm -hmm. but yeah, that's the government. It's whoever's president, half the country's unhappy. Um, mm -hmm. Haiti has like 1% has a lot of wealth and 99% have no wealth. And they have, you know, very minimal middle class, so to speak. It's very much dirt poor. Mm -hmm. And and the, the high government officials with millions, uh, the earthquake, they profited a lot off it. Very few uh, actually got to the, the people. And that's why the, the NGOs have done the best working down there non-government organizations and that's why we work with a, a group called promise for haiti mm -hmm. and they've been teaching farming techniques and they have an orphanage and schools and, and so we're kind of we dovetail into some of these groups down there okay is there a lot of uh, tourism down there at all or not you really know, they're trying yeah there's an area that the the cruise ship industry is walled off from real haiti it's called labadee and it's actually where the bay that christopher columbus landed in it's absolutely gorgeous haiti you know, if there was no people there, it, w it would be Hawaii. It's gorgeous. Um, and, and back in the 30s, it was, you know, the, the rich and famous from the East Coast would go to Haiti for recreation. They had golf courses and everything. The earthquake wiped out the last golf course. It turned into a, a major area that, because there's no structures on it, they could camp there. And so the golf course has been gone. They do have, like, one considered five-star hotel in Port-au-Prince, and I've had dinner there, and it's very nice. Um, uh, but... In general, uh, the tourists we run into are not from the United States. We run into Russian tourists, German tourists. They have some beautiful United uh, UNESCO World Heritage sites. Uh, 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 just amazing thing. Some of the best preserved in the world. But again, tourism is not, uh, they'd love to see more of it. But the infrastructure is not great. I mean, mm -hmm. you're traveling on, on dirt roads. You'd have to rent a car. Rental cars is tough. 
And so, yeah, I would, yeah, <laughs> what would you say it, about it's that? It's tough to get around. I mean, potholes. We've There's one example when we used to have to drive from Pinon before we actually boarded the plane to leave from Pinon, we would drive up to Cap Haitian and like you literally drove through the river because you had to get to the other side of the river and there was no bridge. So all of a sudden, I mean, the first year that we're doing that, I'm like, wait, there's like water on both sides of us. Like we're literally driving through the river. So yeah, it's very difficult to get from point A to point B. Um, you know, and then with the safety where we're at is very safe, but if you get, you know, into the, some of the bigger cities or uh, more on the outskirts of where we go, there is some risk involved with that as well. But, Mm -hmm. um, so we usually send a shipping container down before, but we haven't been able to know this last year. So water is a big deal for the team and getting clean water. So we fortunately have a source. Um, we hope it's going to work this year, um, that we can get clean water. Um, cause that's a big deal. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a lot of it, eating Haitian food, it's not that there's so much germs in their stuff. It's just stuff that our bodies haven't seen. I've seen Haitians come to the United States and get really sick because they haven't been exposed to our bacteria either. Right. Um, and so it kind of goes both ways a little bit. But but clean water is a big deal. Now the technology is amazing. I mean, we can you can have a straw now and drink out of anything that's a special straw. And so we bring some of that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. And we stay at, um, so the hospital, the founder of the hospital has what's called his compound. And so there's dorms that we stay at, um, you know, kind of like college, you know, three to four people in a room and there's, um, they have three meals a day for us there. And it's, you know, rice and meat, a lot of repetition of the food, mm-hmm. rice, beans, coleslaw, chicken, yeah. chicken, goat, um, right. you'll see the goat walking around in the morning and we're eating it. For <laughs> no, That's for a real true story. Mm-hmm. And they don't waste one part of the goat. It oh, took okay. me a while to figure out. It's like, well, wait, we started the week and there were all these, where are all the goats going? And then I realized I'm like, oh yeah, it's been dinner. Yeah. It's actually not bad, but <laughs> I mean, it tastes pretty good. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know if we talked about this before we started recording or not, but h- how far have people come to, Oh, <laughs> Well, in in terms of mileage, I mean, it's not a huge island, but I mean, we hear stories frequently five or six hours in a, a motorcycle. Uh, last year I, or two years ago, maybe we had a, a, a gal with a, a, a blind child, um, like maybe five years old, four years no, old. No, that was the 18 month old. Was that 18 month old? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mother had ridden in the back of a motorcycle for five hours from Dominican Republic because she had heard wow. a rumor that there was an American team wow. coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually operated on both of his eyes. And, and he now did, he can see great. 18 yeah. months old. And oh, his yeah. life, I mean, yeah. literally his life has changed yeah. because they don't have blind resources down there like we have mm-hmm. here. They don't mm-hmm. have a school for the blind. They don't have seeing eye dogs. They don't have canes even. So it's it, it's life-changing. I yeah. mean, this little boy would have never been able to go to school. We had two cousins last year that um, 10 and 14, the 14-year-old had been blind basically since birth, and the 10-year-old since, you know, toddler age, very young. And they both were blind from cataracts and had surgery. Sight was restored for both of them. And the very first question, after they took the patches off and they realized that they could see, the very first thing they asked is, can we go to school now? That's all they wanted to do is to be able to go to school. And those are the kind of moments that it's just, I mean, we're all crying. Their parents are crying. It's, you know. Yeah. These are the kind of things that, you know, you, you just take for granted here. Mm-hmm. Like, totally take you know, for granted. Yeah. E- Eli's eye was lazy. So they yeah. said, well, just take him to Dr. Bergstrom, <laughs> you know, put a patch on him yeah. for what, eight, yeah. eight, 10 months and yeah. boom, he's fine. Yeah. You know, and the people that 
live there. I mean, they're the kindest, most patient people you'll ever meet. They sit outside literally for eight or nine hours to get an eye exam. I oh, mean, for here, days sometimes. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> true. And and they'll sleep overnight on the ground and they're, they're happy and they're thankful when we see them. I mean, here, if we wait more than 30 minutes to see a doctor, we're all up in arms and angry. And I mean, they're, they're always very kind and mm-hmm. so appreciative of what we're able to do. That's really cool. So how can people help you help you all out or how can they get involved? I know you're, you said you're full for this trip. For but, this trip, yes. So, yeah, just a, a background. So we set up a not-for-profit status in North Dakota. I don't, what do you call that, a 5013C, whatever yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just so people know, everybody who goes there, it's strictly volunteer. Nobody, it's interesting because the Haitians thought we're paid by the U.S. government. <laughs> we're kind of like, <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. No, yeah, I had no. that conversation they, with they one of our They literally think we're, we're there getting paid by the U.S. government. We're like, no, we're yeah. not doing that. Um, mm-hmm. This is all out of pocket. And they're well, like, and they, they can't really understand that. No, they're like, why do you do that? Because they said, no, we pay out of pocket. We take time, you know, use all of our vacation, take, you know, time off of work. Well, why do you do that? They said, said because we want to help you. Like, mm-hmm. it means that much to us, but... Yeah, so so we've set up a not for profit, and our, our biggest fundraiser now has become the Giving Hearts Day. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, they can go on our website, um, HaitiIMission dot com. Is it or yes, dot org? Else, dot com. Yeah, and we're also okay. on Facebook. Yep. Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, we've had hundreds of people that help. And even, you know, $5, whatever. Some people say, well, I want to pay for a cataract surgery for somebody. And that's like $50, that kind of thing. But we, our, our fundraising goal, it's been about 40000 per year. But now our expenses have been going up. So mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to probably raise it to $100,000. Because what's happened is some of these companies that we've been working with have been donating in the past. One of the main companies we worked with decided that uh, – they don't want to be liable for some of the stuff we bring down because we can't keep it refrigerated the whole time, which is oh. ridiculous. We're like, really? <laughs> so, so, but you can buy it from us and then it's okay. And so that's yeah. like $6,000. It's, oh. it's some of the stuff we use in the, in the numbing shots that we give. So mm-hmm. we give a numbing shot to everybody so we can operate on them. Cause when you're not speaking their language, you can't tell them, you know, look down, look left, look right. I mean, it's much easier to just give them a shot. Um, so, but yeah, so we're, our fundraising goals are probably going to be in that hundred thousand dollar range and that, and that doesn't include any of our costs of getting down there. That's just equipment costs and renting, and supplies, the, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so we, giving hearts day was our first year this year and that was fantastic <coughs> to be able to be part of that. Um, we're also going to be planning some other, um, maybe like a family picnic this summer and then some type of more formal dinner in the fall just to try and bring awareness to and just, you know, find um, people that have share a passion for eye care, for curing and preventing blindness and just want to make a difference. But, you know, like Dr. Bergstrom said, even $5 helps. It may, it all adds up and makes a difference. And every dollar is very, we're very thankful for any help that people can give. Um, and Facebook, Haiti I Mission on Facebook, there's going to be a lot of content on there. <laughs> I will keep it very busy uh, with pictures and videos of our current trip coming up. And just because I want people to be included, um, you know, and, and share our stories so then they can see the difference that their dollars are making. Yeah, that, that's a that's a huge impact mm-hmm. when when you can actually, you know, get the feedback when you all come back. Do you have you done any sort of anything like when you come back, like a presentation of of the work or mm-hmm. we do i mean we frequently speak at like lions club that kind of thing okay um yeah, and some churches and yeah we're i mean we're always happy to to share our story and mm-hmm. and you know the message of, of what we're trying to 
what we're trying to do. Um, we are this year, the family picnic. I'm looking at maybe doing that in June shortly after we get back. So we can just kind of, it has it as a thank you to, to mm -hmm. our donors and, mm -hmm. you know, just a fun event for everybody to kind of come together, share stories, listen to what this year, you know, stories that happened this year, because every year it's different and what we encounter, um, and prayer too. I mean, we feel the power of prayer definitely when we're down there. Mm hmm yeah, I do want to give a big shout out to the Lions clubs around here. Yes, they've, they've been huge been for huge, us, uh, yes. both Fargo and Horace Lions. And and that's the main, you know, uh, the, the Lions have been doing stuff for Helen Keller for the last 70 years. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and we're kind of an extension of the Lions Club that way. I'm a, I'm a lion. Kristen's a lion. Yes. And it's been fun to see and to work with our local Lions clubs too. Mm -hmm. And that's been probably the, the, best part of my position that I'm in now is just the people that I get to meet and the stories that I hear and other, you know, other mission groups and other, you know, people that share that passion of just helping, making a difference, making the world a better place and using the blessings that you've been given. Cool. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Do you have any questions at all? So with you guys being lines, does that, are you able to bring down like people who donate their glasses and yes. that stuff? Absolutely. That, yeah. We have about 10,000 pairs of glasses oh, down that's there. Awesome. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, they can drop them off in my office. The okay. lions reprocess them and label them, you mm -hmm. know, what kind of prescriptions. So yeah, so we actually, again, we, we triage people that mm -hmm. we decide, you know, do they need to go to the clinic? And from the clinic, we decide, do they need glaucoma medications? Do they need cataract surgery? Or do they just need glasses mm -hmm. um, or sunglasses for that matter? So yeah, so pretty much everybody's going to get a, a bottle of artificial tears or sunglasses at minimum <laughs> and uh but free yeah we give out hundreds of prescription glasses as well they don't have an optician down there it's funny though a haitian will put on a pair of glasses and it may be off a little bit but it's a cooler style they will go with the cooler <laughs> style every time yeah. it doesn't matter the perfect prescription in an ugly frame you might as well throw it out yep okay <laughs> and what you consider a cool style isn't what they consider a cool style so yeah. it's like okay whatever well, <laughs> and just the things you don't realize because the one year we took we had some safety glasses and we're like well do what they want so we brought them with because they had you know been a donation oh I keep hitting that um been a donation and so we brought them and they all of the young boys that drive motorcycles wanted them because the dust I mean the I suppose, dirt yeah. rolls down there yeah. and they're like oh this is going to be they were so excited <laughs> to get these safety goggles to so when they're riding their motorcycle just because the dust is very I mean causes Everywhere. a lot of trouble yeah. for their eyes so yeah. That's really so. cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, is there is there anything else as, as we're wrapping up that you'd like Just to thank share? Thank you for giving us a chance to speak a little bit or chat about this. And, uh, yeah, it's fun. We look forward to our trip May 5th and just, yeah, remember us a little bit. And hopefully we come back at one piece <laughs> uh, or multiple pieces maybe. <laughs> anyway, so I appreciate it. Yeah, yes. you bet. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome. Uh, do, you, do you mind if I pray us out of yeah, here? Yeah, great. Okay. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for... Um, Thank you for the Haiti Eye Mission, and thank you for the work uh, that that Dr. Bergstrom and, and Kristen do down there and, and their whole team. Uh, God, I pray that as they get ready uh, to go down, and as they're down there, Lord, that you would uh, bless their mission, bless their time, uh, and bless them. Um, I pray for safety, uh, and I pray for um, uh, uh, vision uh, for the for the people down there, Lord. Uh, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank, Thank you. you. You're welcome. Good to see you guys. Yeah, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Again, it's uh, Dr. Lance Bergstrom and uh, Kristen Fullman, and uh, they are with the Haiti Eye Mission. 
So um, anybody that is looking for a place to uh, uh, visit, to have a service this weekend, uh, you can go to atonement.live, atonementfargo.org, or on YouTube by searching Atonement Fargo. So for uh, Sarah DeYoung, Kristen Fullman, and Dr. Lance Bergstrom, I'm Ryan Jenke. You can join us next week for another riveting episode of that podcast. Awesome.